You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 4, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the Senior Living Podcast with Josh and Lucas. Another exciting show today to continue our conversations of thought leadership and leaders in the industry. We want to welcome Steve Flint, the COO of Solstice Senior Living. Welcome to the show. Morning. Thank you. Absolutely glad glad to have you. Um, we know that you're uh, out there in Tennessee, just like Josh is, and we had a, such a great uh, kind of intro conversation. And one of the things that I wanted to start out with and point out that I found interesting is your relationship to your father and your grandfathers. It seems like it is the seed that was planted there that then grew into a very long and fruitful career in senior living. Tell us about it. Well, I, my father was in the military, lifetime military guy, and, and I lost dad in 2001. Uh, but both of my grandfathers on both sides of the family were World War II guys. And just the stories and, and having the opportunity to have a relationship with each of them, um, it's just, I would rather do that than go out and play as a kid. Um, listen to the stories, and it kind of made me a, a little bit of a history buff. And so if there's a World War II book, I've probably read it. Um, one of my granddads was uh, a CB, uh, an engineer, and, and uh, built bridges. And the other one was a, a tail gunner, on a flying tiger uh, in World War II. My grandmother was a riveter, uh, built airplanes, and they met during the war. Uh, so I just loved the generation, loved the people. And I was one of those blessed people that had a relationship with my grandparents on both sides of the family. So um you know, my dad, uh, being in the military, um, came to me when I was 18 and said, you know, dad, or, or he said, son, are you interested in military service? And truth is, it's one of the regrets that I have is I, I wish I would have said yes. I had an opportunity to go run track and play a little football and uh, chose to do that and uh, really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I think my initial major was geology, um, which just now I think back and I think, gosh, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> Uh, I would have hated that. Um, and frankly, after a semester, I did. Um, but, you know, it's it's not for everyone. I just, I knew I wanted to be around people. And um, I ended up taking a job in the country club business and, um, you know, enjoyed it. But it, I just didn't feel like I was making the impact I wanted to make. And then when my, my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in the early or mid 80s, it just really impacted me what was available. And, um, I just thought we could do it better. And uh, I decided I wanted to live in Colorado. So I moved to Denver and uh, lived in a hotel and did staffing at a hospital on the overnight shift and went back to school and became a nursing home administrator. Uh, with I was kind of a crusader. I set out to make the world better for people with Alzheimer's disease. And, you know, I'm still passionate about that. And, and I have had a couple of family members affected um, and the industry's changed so I don't even want to call it an industry. It's not really, we're not manufacturing anything. But the business has changed so much over the years. And I think a lot of providers are doing a great job of providing really meaningful uh, relationships and care uh, for seniors that didn't really exist as much back 
in the early days uh, when I, I think there wasn't a lot of you know, research of how to care for people with, with cognitive impairment. So, um, and you see it in every level, you know, you'll see it in, in assisted living, you'll see it in independent living. Uh, you'll have people in independent living that uh, have some cognitive impairment and, and may, you know, hire a third party to, to provide a little bit of assistance. Um, but it's just something I, I enjoy and, and um, I just can't imagine doing something else. <laughs> you know, Josh, um, these stories in the industry are always fascinating to me, um, especially when we get a deeper perspective from a guy like Steve, right? So um, this goes to my next question, and then I'm sure Josh has some comments too. Um, you know, there's a lot that have changed uh, coming out of 2020 for various reasons. Um, the senior living industry uh, has been challenged. And we believe, and as, as many have stated, that, that the senior living industry has really met that challenge. What are some old ways of doing business that have either died off or shifted and needed to change going into the future for the business from your perspective? Well, I think uh, there's been a lot of lessons learned uh, in the last uh, year or so, but you know, I think there, there's there's always been this thought that you need to spend uh, regionals uh, need to spend you know, more time in their communities, and I, I think although I think it's important, but they need to be meaningful visits with a plan. You know, what is the plan based on the analysis I've done in the office? What can I help with? What can I train, support, um, look into? What problem can I solve when I'm at the community? Uh, because I think. And I'm going to paint this with a broad brush, but I think a lot of visits happened over the years that were stop in and say hi, you know, maybe take some cookies to the staff. And, and, and although that's important, I think we, we, we're doing business in such a more meaningful way now. We've, we've had statistics, we've had data uh, to focus on the business for a long time. But frankly, the, the problem was always finding the time to use the data. Now that we are not standing in line at the airport all the time or you know, waiting on a rental car bus, you can touch a lot more communities in that period of time and still have that face-to-face interaction, have a very planned, um, considerate visit. I mean, we're even doing uh, virtual, and I think most, most companies probably are, virtual site visits so that we can keep up with where we can't go into a community because they're, you know, in red phase, uh, we'll have them go around with the webcam and we'll literally look at the kitchen. We'll look at the corridors. We'll look, what's the lighting look like? Is the lobby clean? What's the parking lot look like? Um, what CapEx needs do we need to address based on the virtual tour uh, of the property? So we're doing both virtual tours. We're, we're also matching that with some visits, face-to-face visits, which again are still important. Uh, but I think using the data has been a real silver lining for us. And, um, you know, we've got a, a lot of reports, a lot of ways to look at the business, a lot of comments and surveys that we do at the residents. And something I'm really proud of is uh, this year, our associate satisfaction scores were the highest ever. This year, our resident and family satisfaction scores, which we just received, highest ever uh, through a pandemic through, you know, residents being irritated because they're locked down and can't have activities in the activity room or can't meet in the dining rooms. 
providing you know, meal service uh, to all of your residents, every meal delivered, um, we, we had to meet a lot of challenges this year. Uh, in particular, I think in independent living, because you're not, independent living is generally not staffed to do 120 room trays. You know, so I don't care what your title is, you're probably helping deliver food. Um, but the teamwork has been fantastic. Uh, but I think that the biggest takeaway for me is, and, and frankly, we're even changing the way we look at it moving forward. Is it really productive to be out visiting communities all the time? Or should we give them some room to operate their community, empower them to operate their communities? Because the executive director position, and we talked about this before we started the show, is just so critical. The executive director will make or break a community. The right leadership in the community is contagious. And if, if an ED loves coming to work, we should ask them to love coming to work. Um, if they have a relationship with the residents and families, your staff's going to have a relationship with the residents and families. And um, I don't think most executive directors need us hovering over their shoulder all the time or in their community all the time. I think they need us to do our homework, determine where we can help based on the data, and then have a conversation. And then when you do go and have a, an actual site visit face-to-face, -face, you can spend time you know, shaking hands and talking to people and, and really thanking them for the job that they're doing. You know, bring in lunch, celebrate what they're working on. Um, those things I think are all important to keep morale. But given the, the, the challenge that this industry faced uh, this year, I think we all have something to be really proud of. Um, a job that's already a difficult job became a lot more difficult in this last year. And I think most uh, providers met that challenge. So I'm, I'm really proud of what we're doing. You know, I, I so agree with you, Steve, and appreciate the, um, the, I think you phrased it before we got on, um, the air we were talking about, uh, you said about every challenge, there's always kind of this opportunity on the other side and you outlining some of that, I think is, um, affirming to a lot of our listeners. We have a, a very diverse group of listeners and, Lucas and I later on this week are going to have the opportunity to talk to kind of a panel. And one of the questions I thought I would pose to you, and uh, you've, you've kind of answered it, I think, but I'll ask it in a different way, um, is with all of the challenges, many of which the senior housing industry has really rallied, used the teamwork, overcome so many, we're not quite out of the woods yet, and we're doing business a little bit different. What is your team's outlook? Are, are you feeling very positive about this year? Um, what is the forecast? Do you feel um, more positive than negative about everything that's happening? Where Where do you guys sit in that equation? You know, I, I'm a pretty optimistic guy anyway. So um, I think we take the lessons learned and we look at, you know, Horst uh, Schultz in a book, uh, Excellence Wins, uh, I read a couple of years ago, talked about looking at your realities and then making your adjustments. I think we look at our realities and say, you know, truth of the matter is we're not going to have normal business for a little while. Uh, that's unfortunate because, you know, like most companies, we start budgeting in like August. Uh, not, not having a crystal ball and not knowing how things were going to play out, you know, with, with uh, the pandemic, we 
budgeted a little softer in Q1, uh, so we've got you know, we'll have a little grace. Um, but my belief is there's pent up demand. I think a lot of people, in particular in states that have really been locked down, the Californias, the Washingtons, where that people hunkered down and said, you know, it's independent living. I don't need to make a decision today. Um, so I think that a lot of people delayed their decision. Uh, and frankly, we're still moving people in at a pretty, pretty big clip. Um, our move-ins really are, are, are tracking about where we would want them to for this time of year. Um, now our move outs are a little higher based on what's happened with the pandemic. Uh, but I think the demands out there, uh, I think we're offering a good product and, and I think we learned so much on how to be more effective um, that I'm very optimistic about the future. I, I think we're, you know, for example, you know, we're a middle market product in, in our buildings. Some of them are a little older, uh, well-kept, but a little older communities. Um, we need to be putting capital into them. Well, you know, there was a period of time where we couldn't have vendors in, so it delayed some of the capital. So we've got some pretty big plans for capital and some renovations this year that we're excited about. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's good for the residents. That's good for the staff. It's that mindset of, okay, we're getting past something where the momentum is moving forward. Um, but, you know, it's a long answer to your question, but I'm very optimistic about the future just because I think we, we spent some time building the right talent in the last year. One, it gave us a little bit of time to do that. Um, and then when you see how your, your people perform under pressure and under difficult circumstances, uh, and if you're proud of that, and I am, that gives me a lot of hope for the future. Because when they're not under such a difficult circumstance, um, I think you're going to see leaders lead. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Well, I love that. I love your positive outlook. Um, you mentioned team a couple of times now. I love your approach um, to really investing in that. Um, you know, one of the things that we um, really focus on is trying to change the perception of our industry, mainly to the folks that are outside of our industry that don't understand how awesome it is. Uh, you know, we're in it, so we know how awesome it is. You mentioned talent and attracting talent. Have you found over the last, you know, 12 months, has attracting talent been more difficult for you guys? Have you had to change your strategy or messaging any uh, throughout this process? Or has it been just kind of the norm for you? You know, I think it, it's it highly, it, it's highly dependent on the market, you know, which market we're talking about. And we're from you know, Maine to California. I think in my mindset, and I've tried to help the team make a shift to to say, Let's don't just look for people with experience in senior living. Hospitality for, for my business, for, for independent living, hospitality translates very, very well. And it's also a talent pool right now that there's people looking for work. Uh, there's a lot of great lodging managers that are looking for work right now. Um, and again, it translates so well. So you've, you've heard the saying, hire for culture, train for skill. I'm all about that. It's all about finding somebody who's passionate about being in this business. We can train them how to be a senior living operator. 
but it's tougher to train culture. You either have that mindset or you don't. And, you know, I know culture is probably an overused word, but if you can't, you know, we, we have 12 culture keepers you guys may be familiar with. Um, and when they started the company, they got some executive directors together, which again, I think is also key because executive director is where the rubber hits the road, my opinion. And ask them what's important. What's the most important thing in, in, in setting this company on, on the right track? And they came up with 12 things. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just a rock that we're built on. It's things like working, you know, smarter, not harder, and uh, having passion for what you do. And it's simple things, but they're things that are even either ingrained in your personality and you live them every day. And every time you make a decision, you think about how it fits in those culture keepers. Uh, or you don't. You can't, it's hard to fake culture. Um, you know, we, we want to bring people in that, that love the business and, and want to be part of a team. And, and I stress the word team. Uh, we're only as good as our weakest link. Um, and we, we do a lot of things. I don't have all the answers. Uh, I've built a career on hiring people smarter than me to make me look good. So uh, that's, that's the answer to prayers there. Well, um, one final question for me, but I'm, I'm still in all the thunder here getting to pick your brain, but we don't have a lot of time with you. So thanks for enduring all my questions. But on the resident side, I'm very encouraged to hear um, about the census. And um, a lot of people are asking us that are not in communities every day, well, is everybody afraid to move in? You know, is, 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 is it harder to get residents? So I was very encouraged to hear that you guys are about where you thought you would be, about where you need to be on your move-ins and things like that. Has much of that changed? Has much of your um, conversations with the residents and their families changes? Are you, are you getting asked a lot different type of questions? What, what does it look like in Q1 of this year versus, you know, a year ago, uh, the kind of things that you're getting asked? Well, I, I think a, a couple of things. Um, one, you know, li like everybody, we, we went backwards in occupancy a little bit. Um, frankly, I, I feel really good about the, the small percentage that we did go backwards, given the circumstance, you know, when at some point, 50% of your buildings can't move anybody in because of where their, their red status is. And you know, we're testing so much, inevitably, you take two steps forward and one step back, two steps forward, one step back, because somebody's going to test positive, even though they may be asymptomatic. But if they test positive, we go back to square one. I think the conversation that we're having is there's probably no safer place than moving in with us. We have a temperature scanner in every building. I mean, we have spared no expense from a safety perspective. The needle point filtration we've put in on all the, the HVAC system. Um, we've got the electrostatic sprayers where we're sanitizing everything. Um, I mean, if, if there's a, a product out there that helps us keep residents safe, we purchased it. Um, so we are all over that. And so we've put out some safety videos and some things showing the things that we're doing. And, you know, when your meals are being provided, the staff's all being screened and tested, uh, residents are being tested. And then it also moves you towards the front uh, for vaccine clinics. Uh, we just held one in, in one of our Washington communities last week. You know, it's state by state, uh, but, uh, you know, in county by county in some states. Um, but 
one, if residents want a vaccine faster, being in senior living is a good way to, to, to get that to happen. Uh, and then two, you're not going out to the grocery store. You're not out interacting with people that you don't know. Have they been tested? Have they been screened? Um, so I, I think I would counter anyone that uh, felt like that was a concern to say, gosh, there's, there's probably no safer place to be than one of our communities uh, because of all the precautions that we've been taking. Well, I think those are great talking points, Steve and Lucas. Uh, we've we've just talked about this so much that we agree. Um, what a what a better place could there be than with the hands of the professionals in senior living and teams uh, like Steve's out there that are working around the clock to keep them safe and healthy. I know our audience uh, appreciates the work that you're doing, Steve, and appreciates your time with us today for sure. Thank you. Absolutely. And for those that are listening that want to learn a little bit more or connect with Steve and Solstice, we'll connect with them in our show notes. You can always go to btgvoice.com and access all of our shows, including our Contributor Wednesday series for more thought leadership in the business where we educate, inform, and influence. Steve, thank you for your time today. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure. And thanks for everybody for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with hosts Josh Crisp and Lucas McCurdy. If you were informed, educated, or influenced by this episode, we want to know. Leave a comment on social media or contact us in the show notes. Powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com.